Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up A Well-Read Life. Today's episode is The Magic Summer by Noel Strepfield. A note about the book before we begin. The Magic Summer was published under different titles in the UK and the US. In the UK, where it was originally published, the title is The Growing Summer. In the US, it is The Magic Summer. The book is sadly out of print, but still available in library systems, and used copies can be found online. You may have to search for both titles when you look for it, though. Because I first read the book under its US title, I'll be referring to it as The Magic Summer throughout the episode. After their father contracts a life-threatening illness while conducting medical research abroad, the four Gareth children, Alex, Penny, Robin, and Naomi, are sent to live with their great-aunt Dymphna in Ireland for the summer. The siblings are used to the comfortable pampering of suburban London in the 1960s, and they are not prepared for life in rural Ireland or the eccentricities of their great-aunt. It promises to be a miserable summer for the children, but slowly they fall under the spell of the old place. The Magic Summer by Noel Stratfield is a quiet novel filled with charm, a touch of whimsy, eccentric characters, imperfect children, and a wonderful sense of place. If you've seen You've Got Mail, then you're probably familiar with today's author, Noel Stratfield. She's well known for the shoes books, ballet shoes, theater shoes, dancing shoes, that Meg Ryan's character talks about so lovingly. The shoes books were not my introduction to the author, though. In fact, I still haven't read them. It is one of her lesser-known works, The Magic Summer, that introduced me to her books. I first read it in late elementary age, and for all the strangeness of it, especially Aunt Dymphna and her ancient crumbling house Reenmore, the autonomy of four children setting up house for a summer in the beautiful setting of Ireland with very little adult supervision fascinated me. In The Magic Summer, I met the Gareth siblings, who are by nature city children and experienced their sudden immersion into life in a seaside village in Ireland. It was a place where time seemed to stand still, where neighbors were willing to help but never coddle, and great aunts spoke in poems and riddles. In a small way, I dreamt of a summer like the Garrets, left on my own to ramble the Irish countryside and do as I wished. When I reread The Magic Summer recently, I found that I only remembered bits and pieces of the story. I knew it was a quiet book, but the details were hazy. Reading it as an adult, I could see the story was nuanced. The plot is conventional of many children's stories written at the time. A group of children are separated from their parents for a season, usually sent to a relative's home, and while there, they have a series of episodic adventures. Only the adventures of the four Gareth children are small and never grand. Fishing for lobsters at midnight, sea bathing, picnics on the beach, visiting an estate sale with an aunt, the discovery of a stowaway in the house, Instead, the focus is placed predominantly on their character development and maturity. It is by nature a domestic novel, and rather than have the drama happen largely through plot and action, it is placed inward, with each of the Gareth children dealing with the effect their father's illness and a transition to a new home has on them. If this sounds like a dull read for children, rest assured it isn't. That is the beauty and charm of the story, where the action is more subdued in this book 
There are wonderfully eccentric characters and circumstances to keep children engaged. Aunt Dymphna is unlike anyone the Gareth children have ever met. And for me, too, she was unlike any character I had known. I was half intrigued and half frightened of her. As an adult, I admire her for the desire she has to help her nieces and nephews become thoughtful and caring children, even if her methods are somewhat odd. The further I got into the story, the more I fell under the spell of Aunt Dymphna and Reen more again, and I saw a depth to it that I'd missed on the first reading. And now, here's more about the story. The Magic Summer begins with an introduction to the Gareth children. They live in a comfortable home called Medway in suburban London. Alex and Penny are the oldest and have a rigorous academic schedule, their evenings filled with homework. They are disciplined scholars and have the typical characteristics of older siblings. Alex is handsome, Penny is plain, and has a thoughtful and compliant nature. Robin and Naomi, 9 and 10, are still in primary school and are blissfully free from the responsibilities of their older siblings. Robin loves to talk, has an unfortunate cowlick that causes his hair to stand up in the back, no matter the amount of brushing, a healthy appetite, and the makings of a budding sleuth. Naomi is the youngest and an exceptionally pretty child. She is the pet of the family, a little spoiled and prone to crying fits, and excessively fond of games. The Gareth children's lives are rather ordinary and safe until they are brought to Ireland and are thrown into the chaos of Aunt Dymphna's home, Reenmore. Reenmore is in the middle of an old cow field. Aunt Dymphna has refused a road leading up to it, instead opting to park off the main road and traipse through the field to her front door after an excursion to town. This horrifies the children when they arrive. Reenmore is a ramshackle, chaotic home. It doesn't seem like the type of house to inspire pride, love, or care. The rooms are half-furnished and boast an impressive collection of dust and cobwebs. The kitchen is a fright. A greasy gas cooker is the only stove the children have to cook with. The rest of the house is filled with broken furniture and moldy books and odds and ends from estate auctions. There is no wireless and no games to entertain the children. It is the opposite of Medway. But Reenmore is as much a part of Aunt Dymphna as the land and sea around her. She loves both dearly. The children don't understand their aunt's love of the old place. To them it is a wreck. It is as strange to them as the country surrounding it. When introduced to their great-aunt Dymphna, the Gareth children think she is mad. She is a force to be reckoned with. On the road she is a nightmare, frightening the children with her erratic driving, shouting Roadhog to anyone who gets in her way. And she has conversations with the dogs who chase her car. Aunt Dymphna dresses in a flapping black cape and favors men's hats. She speaks in poetry and riddles. The children can barely get a straight word from her, and she claims that the seagulls speak to her, bringing news about their father's health. Naomi is convinced she is a witch. The others think she is only a crazy old aunt that they must endure until their father recovers. I was inclined to agree with the children the first time I read the book. Aunt Dymphna's neighbors, however, have great respect for her. It is a respect shared by Noel Stretfield, who makes Dymphna human in spite of her oddities, and never writes her as a caricature. In bits and pieces, and so subtly that you barely perceive it, she hints at aspects of Dymphna's true character and offers some clues for her eccentricity. A deeply private woman by nature, she welcomes four children into her home, just as she took in the children's father when he was orphaned during the war. True, her methods may seem strange and close to neglect, but she sees the deep need of the children to become more responsible and thoughtful, caring for others before they enter adulthood. She does her best to bring these qualities out in the children. In a way, she is salvific. Under the guardianship of Aunt Dymphna, 
and without the distraction of technology and modern conveniences, the Gareths are gently nudged toward maturity. All except Penny, that is, who undergoes a trial by fire. And here we get to the heart of the book. Whereas many children's books seek to preserve childhood and idolize it, Noel Stretfield seeks to bring her heroes and heroines into maturity, to take their place in the world as kind and considerate people. It is written with humor and whimsy, though, so it is never heavy-handed. There is an underlying current of character development throughout the book. As the UK title suggests, it is a book about growth. Alex and Penny are at the beginning of adolescence. Robin and Naomi are on the cusp of it, and they need guidance as they begin to navigate their way to adulthood. Very soon, they must take their place in the world. The question is whether they will become thoughtful and unspoiled adults or retain their current attitudes and slowly become more self-absorbed. At the outset of the book, it isn't apparent that the children need to change. They don't seem spoiled. On the contrary, they seem thoughtful and capable. They are very conscious of their mother's needs and do their best to comfort her when their father becomes ill. But thrown into Ireland, under the supervision of a free-spirited aunt who lives in a crumbling, ramshackle estate, and they realize how ill-equipped they are to care for themselves. What are they to do with a greasy gas stove, for instance? They have no cooking skills to speak of, and their Aunt Dymphna has no intention of cooking for them. And how are they to wash their clothes? There isn't a washing machine or dryer in the old home. They don't know if it even has electricity. They have to use candlelight at night. The children are at a loss as to what to do. They begin by trying to distribute the household chores among themselves. Penny, the eldest girl, quickly gets thrown into the role of surrogate mother. Her siblings expect her to cook, care for them, and direct the household. She is a warrior and becomes overwhelmed by her responsibilities. Robin and Naomi help with washing up, Alex with fishing and shopping, but the majority of the work falls on Penny. Penny's plight is told with good humor and sympathy, and it seems like Noel Stratfield isn't going to do anything with her, but perhaps have her embrace this role and come to love it. But this is where I was pleasantly surprised. Towards the end of the book, Aunt Dymphna, speaking in riddles as usual, but also surprisingly in everyday language, confronts Alex. It is a quiet, small sentence, but no less powerful because of it. Aunt Dymphna's conversation with Alex and his reaction give us hope that the children's hearts are beginning to change. Many books written for children are filled with action, mystery, suspense, all elements to keep a child's attention engaged. These types of books are wonderful and a delight to read, completely immersing the reader in the story and action. I love these types of books in childhood. I love them now. They were the ones I read compulsively. But occasionally, a quiet book, like The Magic Summer, would find its way into my hands, a story where more happens beneath the surface than in the plot of the book. These books can often be neglected, thought of as too boring or not able to keep the attention of young readers. But we neglect them to our detriment. A great deal is lost when we forget these books. They are filled with fascinating character studies, teaching children about transformative character development and the wide range of personalities in this world. They gently nudge children out of complacency. Perhaps children can't make a steady diet of these books, but every now and then, it's good for one to come across their path. When I read this book as a child, I expected there to be magic. After all, Aunt Infinite is decidedly witch-like with her flapping black cape. I thought she would have some sort of magical tie, or at least her home, Rainmore, would have a portal to a magical world. The American title misled me. I didn't love it any less for it, though. Now, as an adult, I see it differently. There was some magic in the story, after all. 
Because doesn't transformation in the human heart, changing from one nature to another, or at least the promise of it, seem like a type of magic? The Garretts are imperfect children and fail miserably at times, but there remains the hope that they will be more thoughtful, loving, and self-sacrificial to each other after their time at Reenmore. It was this hope that stayed with me after I closed the book, and it made me love the story even more. Read this book if you like stories with eccentric characters. It is worth reading for the poetry-quoting Aunt Dymphna alone. Read it if you want a book that contains subtle character development, but with an amount of action to keep the plot moving along. Read this book for an escape to a holiday in rural Ireland. Read it for its whimsy, delight, and charm. Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. If you want to connect during the week, I'm at Well Read Beth on Instagram. Until next time.